This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. You're very good, very impressive. Okay, just to bring those, because we haven't got many, but just say tomorrow, prayer meeting. No, I'm only joking. Uh, (laughs) No, uh, there won't be a prayer meeting in the morning, okay. Uh, But we've got a a, a Christmas Day service here at 10.30, so make sure you come to that, if you're able to come to that Christmas Day service at 10.30. So, And that's, uh, I suppose, notice for the week. I want us to pray for Simon, his sister, uh, sadly passed away this week. And I think it would be good for us to pray for him now. Just put your hands on him right there for those who are nearby. We just want to pray for him right now. Lord, we, we just pray for Simon, Lord. We just pray for the grief and the sorrow, Lord, of, of him losing his sister right now, Lord. And we, we thank you for the comfort. We thank you for the strength. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that you administer your strength. We pray you administer your comfort. We pray that the, the presence of the living God would just flow over him right now at this time, Lord. Let your love, let your grace, let your mercy right now Just powerfully flood his heart at this time, we pray, for the strength and the might of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, Nicole, thank you. Hi, folks. How how exciting is it? It's Christmas Eve. I just get very excited, the fact it's Christmas Eve. Um, okay, just a, a quick message to say next Sunday, because it's New Year's Eve next Sunday, and um, I'm going to be leading the uh, service just to prepare you. So just, you know. Um, so I'll be leading the next uh, Sunday, but we, I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm just going to give you an advance warning to say that I'm, I'm going to just open the floor up to a few testimonies. So if there's something that you want to share... Um, that God has been doing in your life through the past year or something that we can be thankful for um, and we can just share with one another, um, I'm going to give an opportunity for that. So just to prepare you for that, if, if there's something that you want to um, share, that would be fantastic. Um, Richard and Liz are going to be um, away for a couple of months from, our, from the family here and um, they're going off travelling and going to see lots of different places in the world. So I just thought it would be a great opportunity for them to come and just share what they're doing um, but also for us just to um, pray for them and, and their protection and just that everything is safe whilst they're travelling away um, and also wanted you to know that that's what they were doing. They're also going off to um, Cambodia so our links with Cambodia, with David and Esther, they're going to be going and um, dropping in on them and seeing them there. Uh, so that would be really good as well. So we'll just wait for them to um, come down and, and uh, we'll hear from them. Sorry, look. Uh, no, come on. <laughs> I was just saying, um, just saying that you'll go away for a couple of months and going travelling. Do you want to just share a little bit about where you're going and what you're doing? I was actually just trying to run away, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, we're just going on a bit of a trip. We decided that um, it was be good for us as a family to go on a little bit of a sabbatical. So we've all got a couple of um, months off work or school. So the kids are coming out of school with us. And so we're travelling on the 27th um, towards Dubai, then Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and oh, Kuala Lumpur, and then Bali. So, yeah, just... just Think of us, it's going to be quite hard. <laughs> um, but yes, we're, uh, yeah, I, I just guess you get a bit busy in your life and, and everything gets sort of 
you know, all the responsibilities of life over here, it's a bit crazy sometimes. And so I think it's good for everybody to take a little bit of time out now and then and um, not have to worry about doing music and youth at the same time and things like that. Uh, sorry, am I ch- rambling on? Oh, yes, yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're gonna, in Cambodia, we've got a little bit of a, little bit of a mission, I guess, um, in that we're going to be visiting a couple of my friends out in the sticks, uh, working with Wycliffe Bible uh, Translation. Um, and so we're going to be catching up with them and, and seeing what they get up to and seeing what we can do to help for a couple of days. And then we're going to be seeing Dave and Esther, which is short support, church sports. And they're in... They're in... Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh. Sure, I knew that. Um, so we're going to be going to see them as well. So, yeah. Do you want to say anything, Tao? <laughs> do you want to share a bit about Yeah, I just asked Richard if he wants to share a bit about your family situation so we can pray into that as well. Um, yeah, so um, it all happened this week. We'd, it's a bit, a bit up in the air that uh, on the same day, Dad got admitted to hospital because um, he had some bleeding on the brain. And the only way to fix that is to, to get some head drilling going on. So I did offer to get my old Uncle Les's uh, little hand drill, little whisk thing. The doctor didn't seem keen. So he got flown off to Southampton quite quickly, medivaced, um, to go and get sorted out. And uh, my brother, um, bless, his, bless his cotton socks, went with him. Um, but it does mean that they're, they're stuck over there for uh, at least 10 days, so they're missing Christmas. And we're missing them, of course. Um, but all on the same day as well, my mum had um, some sort of further news about her cancer, which is spreading quite, quite badly now. So um, she's going to be going for more treatment in Southampton too. Um, but the cat didn't die, which is good. I don't know. There's, the, there's, there's other multiple things with friends and family going on as well. So it's all stacking up. But it does seem to happen like that, doesn't it? At uh, Christmas, it all comes at once for lots of people. So thoughts and prayers to you guys that are also having a hard time too. Yeah, and we obviously want to um, want to pray with you. And I know when I was speaking to you guys, you said, "Oh, well, we we don't want to come up to the front, like you know, we're not doing anything great and stuff." But um, but I think it's really really important, and that everything that we do, we don't de- you know, can't, what am I trying to say? We don't put things into. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Um, little boxes. You know, everything is spiritual, isn't it? All that we do, all that we are, and all, everywhere we go and we travel. And I hope that, you know, you have a really fantastic time away. I think we're all a bit jealous that we could just come with you. Um, but it's a time of refreshing and a time where you, you know, um, can really grow in lots of different ways. So shall we stand together and pray for this amazing family? We're going to miss you guys over the next couple of months. So, Father God, um, I just really really thank you for this amazing family thank you that they're a part of our Delancey family here and Lord we just want to stand with them today and just really pray your anointing and your blessing over them um, Lord we pray that you would just uh, protect them all um, all the time wherever they are whatever they're doing as they're traveling around Lord we just pray that your protection will be with them and, and they'll just be kept safe Lord and that you would undertake for everything Lord I pray that everything would go smoothly right from the time that they leave Guernsey to the time that they get back and Lord, we just really pray that this will be a great time of refreshment for them 
Um, it will be a time when they can just have some quality time together as a family, um, that they would see new things, experience new things, have new opportunities, and that would be life-changing for them. And I pray that this trip would be everything that they want it to be, and Lord, that you would meet them in these different places and in these different countries and through different people, and that you would be able to use them. And God, we just really lift them up to you and pray for your comfort and your um, protection over them. And Lord, we pray too for uh, the wider family. And Lord God, we just pray that you would be with them and be close to them. And as uh, Richard's mum and dad just go through this difficult time at the moment, we just pray that your hand of healing and anointing would be on them as well. And uh, Lord, I pray for perhaps um, anxious thoughts or or worries that might be with Liz and Richard as they leave. Lord, we just pray for peace, peace of mind in in this situation, Lord, we pray. So we just lift up this amazing family to you and pray your blessing. Thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who want to follow us, we're actually, uh, the children are writing a blog on Blogger, and it's called The Klein World. So Jody's made up the title, and that, that's their homework, basically, for the next few months, is uh, writing a blog together and downloading photos, editing their texts and all that. So. Teo says his job is doing the budget. He's got our budget, so he's, I know. he's got a book, and every, every, day at, every day at the top of the page he's got an amount, and then he's going to write down all our expenses, and so I'm teaching him a bit, a bit of bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah. We'll miss you all, though, and uh, we'll yep. see you in March. Yeah, see you in March. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And just finally for me, just to say that um, the kind of missions offering over the Christmas period is going to Elim Global Christmas Party. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but just in case you didn't catch that, um, Elim are raising money to put on global Christmas parties around the world. So wherever the missionaries are around the world in however many different countries, they're hosting different Christmas parties. And there's been a great success, a great witness in the community where children who obviously don't really have much at Christmas have been given a present and a party and it's gone really, really well. So all the money raised is going towards that. There's a little bucket um, just on the table as you go out. It will be there today and it will be there tomorrow as well. So if you feel that that's something you want to give to over the Christmas period, then please do put an offering in there as well. You are listening to a free download from the Lancy Elam Church. Right, if you got by, I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, I want to talk, a, it's a well-known sort of Christmas story, if you like, about the wise men. I think we're going to kind of blow apart a few kind of Christmas concepts that we have uh, about our concepts of this particular moment. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, now after Jesus, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For I have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For for out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when he had found him, bring back word to me that I may also may go and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which had been seen in the east went before them till he came and stood over the young child. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented their gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, we're going to leave there. Just to say that I'm flying off to England this afternoon to spend time with uh, Christmas with my family, so everything looks clear at the moment. That's good. (laughs) No snow as far as I'm aware, no fog, so that should be good. Uh, But we're thinking of you, and I know Tim's doing the service tomorrow, so you can have a great time. Okay, I just want to talk about this concept of uh, following the star. Uh, we think about everybody, everybody's following something. Is that true? Everybody's following something. Some people follow their sports stars, you know, of, the, of their sports top with the with the name of their sports star on. You know, my my Chelsea top. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so people or people follow the celebs, don't they? Later, people love to follow the celebs. Don't know why, but they love to follow the celebs. And then we have people follow people on social media. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Where we're told here, the wise man followed. I want you to see the phrase there. It says, the wise man followed his star. Now, often when people read this, again, I'm, I'm probably going to shatter a few Christmas ideas of what we see at Christmas, but this star probably wasn't the star as we perceive a star is. Because the Bible says the star actually was over the house where Jesus was. I mean, you would realize, if you were in, looking at a star, you wouldn't be able to measure where the house of Jesus was. It was something supernatural, some kind of supernatural light, if you like. Whether it was how you define it, how you describe it, the Bible doesn't really tell us. But it was something supernatural that caused these wise men to follow the star. And he says it was his star. In other words, when they saw this star, something attracted them. Something moved them in a direction where the Saviour was. God lit it so bright that it caught their attention and the star stood out. In other words, they saw something different about that star that caused them to follow it. Something drew them, something attracted to them. That's a great picture, really, because in a sense, you came to Jesus because somehow God lit up a star for you. Somebody, that, it could have been a, a teacher, from my, from my point of view, it was various people were the stars that, was, that drew me to the Saviour. For you, it could have been a teacher, it could have been parents, family members, colleagues at work. There was something that stirred your heart, that kind of shone so brightly, that drew you to the Saviour. Which reminds me, in a sense, how many know people are looking for stars today? People are looking for stars that will bring them to the Saviour. People are looking for shining stars to be that light on the job, to be that light in your family, to, to, to point to the Saviour. That's what we are. We're meant to be stars that point people to the Saviour. 
Now we're told that these wise men came from the east. Now most of the kinds of, you know, the kind of commentaries kind of say that they, they probably came from Persia, which is probably modern Iran today. It could have even have been as far as China. It just says they came from the east. could have been India. They came from the east. And they're called Magi. Now the word Magi actually comes from the word magicians. They were basically the same kind of people that Daniel worked with in Babylon. The Magi, the, the magicians that he worked with. People that, if you like, were people who were thirsting, looking for something. Knowledge. They were, they were looking. They were, they were stargazers, star lookers, if you like. There were people who were probably very well acquainted with the Scriptures. And it's interesting, our concept often of Christmas we get from Christmas cards. That's true. We kind of think Christmas is what the Christmas cards we get. But you know, probably, Jesus, why now, when, when the wise men found him, was probably two years of age. Do you realize that? He was probably two years of age. And they travel for over, probably up to two years. We have to get this picture of three guys on a camel. Here's something interesting. If they did come from Persia, you know what? Here's a shock for us. If they came from Persia, then the, prob- the probability is they didn't have camels. They may have had horses. Because, in horse- because Iran really, or Persia, actually only had horses. They didn't have camels. There's the one to throw out. Interesting. The other thing was, there wasn't just three of them. We often think three gifts, three wise men. But there's probably a big caravan that came. They probably had all kinds of servants come with them. They had guards that come with them. Because it was something that the cause Herod to hear about it. The point is, they travelled over 800 miles. Can you imagine it? 800 miles. Because they wanted to connect with God. They wanted to see the reality of Jesus and they wanted to worship him. They were following, if you like, the right star that led them to the Saviour. And really, here's a challenge really for us today. If we follow the wrong things, then it never leads us to the Saviour. Let me give you another scripture, Matthew 15. Because here's a challenge. Are we following the right star? Matthew 15. Here Jesus talks about People who follow the wrong things. The answer that said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. He's saying really that, that life has a habit of causing us to, to come into a ditch of life if we follow the wrong things. If we follow the wrong people, if we follow the wrong directions in life, it kind of limits our life. If we follow those things, it says, and if we follow the wrong things, he says about things that can be planted in us. Things that the Father never planted in us. That when we follow the wrong things, it, it opens our hearts, it opens our lives for the wrong things to be planted in us. 
And he says that the Father wants to put to the, put to the axe the root those things that he did not plant. How did those roots get into lies? Because they followed the wrong thing. Following the wrong thing. People can limit life by following unforgiveness. People can follow negative thoughts. People can follow unbelief. And those things cause things in us to be planted that didn't come from the Father. I haven't got time to go into it, but Amos, Amos 5.26, I know you probably read Amos every day, but Amos 5.26 talks about that the people made stars of idols. And he says, because they made stars of idols, it led them into captivity. In other words, they were focusing their lives on the wrong thing. Fears, anxieties, torment, depressions are often a result of when we focus on the wrong thing. How many realize that's why worship is so powerful? You know what worship does? It causes you to focus on the right thing. Look at Hebrews 12. I think this is a a great scripture that reminds us. It says, we're surrounded, surrounded by this great cloud of witness. Therefore, lay aside every weight. Lay, those, lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance. The race is set before us. How do we do it? By looking on to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and shut down the right hand of God. How many realize that he says we've got to lay aside things? Anything that stopped us following. I wonder, are there things that hinder you from following Jesus? Things that hold you back, things that limit your life, things that restrict you in life. The Bible says we've got to lay all those aside. Why? So we can follow Jesus. You can't really follow him to the degree he wants you to follow him if there's all kinds of things clinging to us. We've got to lay those things aside. When these wise men followed the star that led them to Jesus, you think of the price that was involved in that. It was a cost involved in following them. There's a price of faithfulness. Price of, if you like, it was, it was a financial price. And they were willing to pay the price just for one moment to meet Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Just one moment. One moment. They're willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. Go to Matthew 16 again. Jesus talks about the, the price of following him. And he realizes there's a, there's a price to be paid in following Jesus. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him desire, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? When Jesus, that word follow there actually means, what Jesus is saying, it actually means to go on a journey together. That's what the word means. The Greek word means to go on a journey together. And I love this fact that Jesus says, come on, let's go on a journey together. Isn't that awesome? That's what he's saying, follow me. Come on, let's go on a journey together. Let me enter your world as you enter my world. He 
He's saying, invite me to every sphere of your life and begin to walk with me. Let me be part of every day of your life. Begin to enter my world so you begin to see your life from my perspective. And Jesus, if you're really to follow me to that level, to that degree, then he says you have to deny yourself. You've got to quit depending on yourself. You know, I was thinking about that, and I thought, I had this crazy illustration, which I tend to have. We see magnets. When you put positive and positive together, do you know what happens? When you put a positive and negative, they draw. When I become reliant on Jesus... You know what it brings? It brings a drawing of myself to him. When I'm independent, when I want to live in a self-reliant way, it tends to cause me to, be, to, re, to repel him. It causes me to pull away from him. But the more dependent I become on him, the more I'm drawn to him. Isn't that awesome? And there's something about you saying, if you're to follow me, then you've got to quit relying on yourself. You've got to deny yourself. You've got, to, you've, you've got to sort of turn away from those things. Those things that, that, those things that really are not in alignment with my word and my will for your life. You've got to lay down your will to begin to embrace my will. You've got to embrace my life. I think the power of the Christian life really is Christ living his life through me. When Jesus lives his life through us, we show the world what a real Christian is like. Isn't that true? If we live in the power of our own flesh, if we live on the power of self-reliance, then we're only showing the world us. How many realize that's not going to be much of a bright, shining star? But when we let Jesus live through us, he becomes a bright, shining light. And I've got to live my life in a way that doesn't hinder Christ living his life through me. That means dying to myself. Saying no to the things and the feelings and desires that are contrary to his word. For example, how many found, talking to those of you who are married, how many found that for marriage to be successful, there has to be a death? Husbands sometimes have to die to what they want in order to allow... All the ladies are agreeing with this. But we know it's vice versa as well. In a marriage, there has to be a death for it to be successful. You know, loving people means sometimes you've got to die to yourself. Sometimes people can offend you. People can not always be what you want them to be. And the things that hinder love, we've got to die to. Envy. Self-centeredness. All the things that hinder love, we have to die to. Unforgiveness, fear, envy. All those things we have to die to in order for the life of Christ to shine out of me. And as the life of Christ shines out of me, then people are drawn like a magnet. 
They're not drawn to me. They're drawn to the Christ in me. They're drawn to the power of the resurrected life that Jesus has implanted in my heart. And in order for that life to shine out, I've got to remove every hindrance, every barrier, everything that prevents the life of Christ shining out of me. Because the moment the life of Christ shines out of us, then people are going to be drawn. Can you say amen? It's amazing that in death comes incredible blessings. Jim Elliot. How many have heard of Jim Elliot? He was a missionary. Anchor Indians. Gave his life as a martyr. And he said these words, famous words. He said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I think this, this, the, the call of the hour, if I use that word, the, the secret to power with God is simply dying to myself. Letting go of anything that hinders and prevents the life of Christ shown out of me. That's the key to power with God. Can you say amen? So here's the first thing. They paid the price to follow. I like the second thing. I think I may have touched it before, but because notice this, that when they're on the way following the star, they come across dear Herod. There's one part of the story, the Christmas story, that we don't always like to talk about very much. But the Bible says that when he realized he'd been deceived, he killed every child two years and under. That's a high price in that sense. But notice, as they're on the way to follow the star, Herod, who represents the enemy, Herod, who represents, if you like, the things of this world, tried to hinder them from going forward. How many found this? The moment you begin to follow Jesus, something rises up to try to hinder and prevent you from following. How many found that? 1 Peter 5. You know, in other words, how many realize we have an adversary? How many realize that? We have an adversary. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober. And that's not talking about, that's not talking about this time of year. But it says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And we have a real enemy, but Jesus overcame him and Jesus totally defeated him. How many realize that at first those wise men didn't realize what Herod was up to? And the enemy will attack us often when we least expect it. And his goal and his aim is to stop us fully following Jesus. Jesus. John 10 verse 10 says that when the, when the thief comes, which represents Satan, he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. So anytime you see anything in your life where something's been stole from you in a sense, where something's coming against you, something's robbing you of things in life, then the person behind that is your adversary, the devil. Psalm 23. We love, how many love Psalm 23? We, we, you know, most of us could probably memorize it. Many of us kind of know it. And I was struck the other day as I was looking at this. I thought to myself, you know, we love the verse 2, the still waters. Don't we love the still waters? You know, the green pastures. Someone said, we, you know, lying in the pastures. Don't we love the green pastures? Living, lying beside the still waters. How wonderful it is. 
He restores my soul. We kind of love that part of it. And he says, he leads me. Notice this, he's leading me. He's leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Isn't that wonderful? Well, you know, we've been led and it's wonderful. But do you notice verse 4? Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He thinks, well, how can I get in a valley when I'm following the good shepherd? How do I get in this valley? How do I get in? And actually, the valley should have, was a very tight place that people walk through, dark place. And you'll find this. Just because you're following the master, it doesn't mean the enemy's not going to attack. It doesn't mean you're not going to have issues and challenges in life. But notice what he goes on to say. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. For every attack of the enemy, how many realize that Jesus makes full provision? Right in the midst of the most awesome attack, Jesus will always make provision for you. Right in the midst of your enemies. And it says God restores. He brings back the favor. He brings back the blessings. And so Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. You know what that means? It means be prepared. Here's the danger sometimes, that when the enemy attacks, people just aren't ready for it. They're not prepared. And so the enemy defeats them because they're not prepared for the attack. In other words, we've got to live our lives daily prepared and ready and willing, if you like. Just think of a few things that make us prepared for what Peter right there is talking about. We get prepared by staying close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Prayer connects you to you. Spend time in his word. Keep in that place of worship. Do it every day. And so when the enemy turns up, Peter says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In other words, you're built up, you're prepared, you're ready. So when the enemy turns up, you're strong and your power in the might of the Lord. Secondly, build up your heart. Pray in the Spirit. Get his word into your heart. Exercise faith. Confess the word daily. Sort of Star Wars of the day. Forgive me. But I kind of love the saber that they have. I really love the sabers. That kind of, what's it called? You know, the, is it saber? What's it called? Lightsaber. I love that thing. It just, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. No, no, nothing stays. Everything's cut down by. I love you. I must get myself one. But you know, everything just, it's just cut down. And, and it says, what an amazing picture of the Word of God. The Word of God kind of cuts up, tears apart every attack of the enemy. In other words, when the enemy rises up, we attack him with the word. When he tries to discourage you, when he comes against you with lack, you use the word to defeat him. I have found this, the word of God never fails. I only believe that. I love one of the guys. David had mighty men. Ever heard of some of the mighty men? He had these guys that followed him. And the Bible says originally there were people that were discouraged people. People were just fed up with everything in life. And they became a follower of David. And he began to teach them how to be warriors. And there's whole stories of what those guys achieved. And one of my favorite characters is a guy called Elysia. And it says about Elysia is that 
he, was, he killed all these Philistines and they attacked him. And the way he defeated them was this. It says that his hand, even though he was weary, his hand, if you like, his hand was stuck on the sword. Even though he felt weary, he didn't let go of the sword. His hand was, was almost, his hand was engraved in the sword. He wouldn't let go of the sword. And I think that's what a picture that is. We need to be people that are not going to let go of the word. No matter how bad our circumstances seem, no matter what's against us, that we are not going to let go of the word. Here's the next thing. Respond with wisdom, not emotions. How many found your emotions are up and down? How many found that? But wisdom is eternal. When we respond with our emotions, how many found it always gets you worse? I found in marriage, you know, emotional times, and you respond with emotions, and they respond back with emotions, and I only found it never solves anything. So respond with wisdom, not emotions. Because the enemy will work when you respond with your emotions rather than with the word and with the wisdom of God. Here's the next thing. Don't blame God or other people. How many found this? And we want to blame all kinds of people, we want to blame other things, but the truth is we only have one enemy. And it's not people. God is not your problem. God is your answer. And the next thing we need to realize to prepare ourselves is never always, it's never going to be easy. You're never going to have a, a, a problem-free life. You're never going to have any, you're never going to have a, live a life that's free of any problems or difficulties. There will always be various ways the enemy attacks. But be prepared. If your adversary goes around, he's not a royal line, but he's like a roaring lion. Someone once said that he's like a roaring lion because Jesus has pulled out his teeth. Can you say amen? So he just sucks you kind of thing. Anyway, uh, the next thing is, I'm going to that one. But here's the next thing, very quickly, about the wise men was this. They had joy. Matthew 2 verse 10. I love the fact that every reference often to the to the to the to the birth stories are filled with joy. Matthew 2.10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Great joy. That literally, it literally means in the Greek, it means a violent, vermint, overwhelming joy. In other words, joy so overtook them, it would not stop. Joy, says Peter, inexpressible and full of glory. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you live with joy, it empowers you to live above negativity. It empowers you to live the life God's called you. I think joy is often an understated Christian thing. But joy is vital for your Christian life. Look at John 15 verse 11. John 15, 11. Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. In other words, when he says he spoke these things to you, he speaks things in you so that you might believe the right things. Why is it often we lose joy? I think often we lose our joy because we believe the wrong things. Often when we believe negative things, then those negative things often cause us to lose our 
joy. I just want to very quickly talk about a few good things that we need to believe that bring us joy. Here's the first thing that brings us joy. That we believe that God is for us. If God be for you, who can be against you? When you really believe God's for you, the result is it brings what? Joy. God wants you to win. God wants you to, have a, uh, to be a successful life. God is really for you. And here is the problem. So many people think that God is their problem, that God's against them, but God is for you. You and God can overcome any challenge. It doesn't matter what or is against you, God is for you. Listen, the boss may not like you, but God's for you. People may be all kinds of things against you, but God's for you. You may be struggling with situations, but God can turn that situation around. Here's the second thing that brings joy. Believing God is helping you. I found this. Even when you can't see outwardly what's going on, God is at work. God is doing something. God is setting you up for a blessing. God is getting ready to turn your situation around. Joy says, my worst day can become my best day because I believe God is helping me. I lose my job. God's helping me. God will get me a better one. Can you say amen? Whatever it is, God is helping me. How many found that brings incredible joy? God is with me. Believe God is with you. You know what the biggest thing this time of year often is? Is loneliness. Massive thing, loneliness. Truth is, you can be in a crowd of people yet still feel lonely. Still feel isolated and by yourself. And the devil will tell you, nobody cares for you, nobody understands you, nobody wants to help you. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, that God will never ever forsake me. When you mess up, he doesn't leave you. When you're going through a heartbreak, he doesn't leave you. When you make mistakes, he doesn't leave you. The great thing that brings joy, I think, is to know that God is with you. Even on to the uttermost. I think when we lose sight of those things, when we lose sight that God's for us, we get miserable. When we lose sight that God's helping us, we get miserable. When we lose sight that God is with us, we get miserable. But when that rea- reality, when that revelation burns in my heart, right believing always leads to true joy. Wrong believing leads to no joy. The Bible says we are what we think we are, really. As a man thinketh, so what he is. So when I think the truths, I love the fact to you know God's for me. I mean, love that. I just love that fact, man. Just that alone should bring joy. Here's the last thing. Go down to verse 11. Matthew 2. Let me kind of land this thing with this. They ultimately followed him for one reason, for one reason alone. It says in verse 11. And when they came to the house, there they saw the young child with Mary's mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures. They presented gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. See, what is worship really? Worship is when you give value to something. 
Worship is an expression of worth. It's a response. We give him value when we worship him. The truth is, you become what you worship. God's great passion for you and I is that we become more and more like Jesus. And the more I worship him, the more I become like him. You know, I kind of think, if we would just spend each time of our day just worshipping him. No other reason, just worship him. And if we did that for six months, you know what? It just revolutionized your life. It would change you. Because what you worship, you become. So when I worship him, I become more like him. And so if I really, really give my life daily to worship, it's going to transform and radically change my life. See, every time you set your affections on him, something wonderful is going to happen. I think everything flows through worship. Everything we do for God flows through worship. It just flows through worship. God, we're told, is looking not necessarily for worship. He's looking for worshippers. Those who worship him in spirit and truth. That's the passion. That's the yearning of his heart. He wants worshippers. And when they came, we're told, the first thing they brought is they brought gold. And gold represents a gift for a king. They were personalizing Jesus as king. Worship is really all about making Jesus king. He's saying, Jesus, no matter how I feel, I worship you because you're king. No matter what's against me, I worship you because you're the king. You're over it. You're the Lord over it. And I'm not going to be affected by what I feel. I'm not going to be affected by my circumstances because I recognize that you're the king. And I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you no matter what I feel because worship declares you to be king and Lord of all. Can you say amen? Here's the second thing. We're told, didn't they just brought gold? But they brought frankincense. Frankincense was, from a, was a sap from a tree that was hardened. And it was used as incense to worship. See, worship isn't just singing. Worship's an attitude of heart. It's lining up what you say with what's in your heart. That your lips line up with what's professing out of your mind, out of your mouth. Your mouth and your heart come together. Someone says Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them. In other words, sometimes we're singing things that we don't always necessarily believe is true in our hearts. But when we really believe it's true in our hearts and we begin to express it with our mouths, something wonderful breaks out. Can you say amen? You know, the, you know the powerful thing about worship? is worship. It's, it just rises up to heaven. It's an incense. God is so blessed. He's, he, he so yearns for the worship of his people. He's enthroned on the praises of his people. He builds him a throne. And God loves thrones. Because when, he, when thrones are built, he comes and invades the throne. It's like a target. He's saying, God, here's a target. Come and invade it. <laughs> That problem, come and invade it. That circumstance, come and invade it. I'm going to worship you. I'm putting a target over that thing. Let your presence come and invade that situation. And the third thing is this, lastly. Myrrh. You know, myrrh was an embalmment. 
and speaks of the death of Jesus. I think the thing that should stir us to worship is to realize what Jesus did for us. I just love it. The more I understand the cross, the more I understand the power of the cross, the more I understand the sacrifice of Jesus, you know what the result is? There is worship. Stirs up worship in me. Feeds worship in me. When I realize what Jesus did. Let me close with this. Have a thought about this. The Bible says when they found out what Herod was doing, they moved to Egypt. How do you think they funded themselves in Egypt? You know what it was? For the sacrifices of worship. They used that to fund their time that they were in Egypt. It's not wonderful. Those gifts were used to fund their ability to fly. In other words, when you worship, it always opens the way for God in some way to provide and meet the situation for you. Isn't that wonderful? Opens the way for God to work, for God to move. So let's be like the wise men. Let's be people that, that follow him, that worship him. People that are just so full of absolute wonderful joy. Whatever plan God has for your life, he will provide. The natural mingling with the supernatural. Let's just stand right now. We just want to close today. As we come to this kind of, I suppose, this time of the year as we realize that the wonders, the joy. Let's in our own hearts there in his mom say, Lord Jesus, I just want to follow you unreservedly today. All that is within me today, I lay aside. I want to follow you. I lay aside everything that hinders, everything that holds me back from truly following you to the level and to the degree that you desire for me to follow. And then when you say, Lord, today, just fill me afresh with your wonderful joy. Fill me with the joy unspeakable, full of glory. Fill me with your joy. And Lord, let me be strengthened in this coming year. Let me be prepared and ready for every onslaught of the enemy. I'll be strong. I'll be ready. I'll be prepared. Because I'm built up in your word and your power. Father, today we thank you. We want to be as these wise men were, Lord. We want to follow you. We want to worship you. We want to be full of your joy. We want to be people who are fully prepared for all that may come. But Lord, today we want to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the thanks. And I pray right now, would you bless your people. I pray, Lord, for an amazing Christmas for each one gathered here today, that you'd pour your blessing, you'd pour your favor upon them and upon their families. Lord, this would be a great time of, of togetherness, Lord. It would be a great time of blessing, great time of favor, oh God that your hand and your prince would rest on each one, I pray. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord give you his great peace and his great wisdom. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a great Christmas. Lord bless you and hopefully see you in the new year. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this free download from Javante.
Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at divinityelam.co.uk.